All right, the, the talk of this morning is this changes everything. This changes everything. Steve Jobs came out with that slogan when he introduced the iPhone. I have an iPhone. I left my iPhone at the mall yesterday. Uh, it's still there right now. The last 24 hours have been beautiful. <laughs> it's been beautiful. It's it, they actually called me twice. Are you going to come get your phone? I was like, yeah, sometime next week I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to come get our phone. But, the, you know, the iPhone did change a lot of things. Being able to get online the way we do, it did change some things. But I just want to tell you, this sermon that I'm sharing with you this morning changes everything. And I just want to share with you, uh, if you're taking notes, we start a 14-day prayer intensive tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow. Now, here's the thing about the, the prayer intensive. We plan on praying at a degree of intensity that we may not be able to sustain for a month, may not be able to sustain it for a year, but we can do it for two weeks. Now, let me just share with you, for those of you in the room that are like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm doing good if I remember to pray for my breakfast. I don't know if I can join this intensive. I've I don't pray that long. It's hard for me to pray. By the time I finish this message this morning, I am going to make it so abundantly easy that that's going to be a piece of cake. So just go ahead and take that out of your mind. Put it on the shelf. We'll revisit it in just a minute. So I just want to share with you, it's going to be incredibly easy. But the 14-day prayer intensive has the ability to change everything. A lot of times, I read this term recently, it's called the Christian atheist. It, it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? The Christian atheist. A Christian atheist is a person who believes in Jesus, but doesn't pray because they don't think that praying is going to make a difference. So it kind of makes sense, right? The Christian atheist. I just want to share with you, praying makes all the difference. Everything depends on who you depend on. Everything depends on who you depend on. Jesus himself, when he walked around on the earth, made it a pattern to pray. Pray, pray, pray. In the New Testament, there's four books in succession. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, these four Gospels, uh, they tell the same stories from four different perspectives. But Luke, he wrote something in, within the story that the other three didn't grasp. Matthew, Mark, and John wrote about this, the, 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 the moment, but they didn't include one particular thing that Jesus prayed intensely during those moments. Let me give you an example. Uh, when Jesus was being baptized, in Matthew, Mark, and John, it says that the Spirit of God came down on Jesus. If you read that same story in the book of Luke, it says that, and after Jesus prayed, the Spirit of God came down on Jesus. Here's another example. When uh, Jesus chose the 12 disciples, uh, Matthew, Mark, and John, they said, and Jesus chose 12 disciples. When Luke wrote about it, it says, and after Jesus prayed, he chose 12 disciples. Here's the last example. When, when Jesus was on this mountain, 
it, three of the Gospels say that he transfigured before them. But if you read that same scene in the book of Luke, it says that after Jesus prayed, he was transfigured before them. Praying makes all the difference in the world. I said this last week, I'll say it again. Some of us in this room, and I'm one of them, we have stresses, points of anxiety, worries, concerns. Our life is not as perfect as we make it look like from the outside in. If you and I could change those things by ourselves, we would have already done it. If you need to make more money at your job, if you need a new career, if you need a job, if you need your marriage to be put back together again, if you need the relationships between your children and you to get better, if you could have done it, you would have already done it. The reason why it's not better and it hasn't been fixed is because you can't do it. I have issues that I cannot fix. You and I, we have that in common. What we need to do is to stop trying and do like the theologian Carrie Underwood said, take your hands off the wheel or Jesus take the wheel or whatever. It is. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. All right. So we got to do that. Now, here's a particular point I want to talk about. There's this guy in the Bible. His name is Jacob. Genesis chapter 32. Um, I'm going to start reading in verse 22. This is an awesome scene. And Jacob, he rose that night and took his two wives. We should just pray for him. He's not even alive anymore, but <laughs> two wives. Uh, he has two female servants and his 11 sons, dear Lord, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent, over, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip, was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Here's the situation with Jacob. Jacob knew inside of his soul that God had special things for him. He knew that ever since he was a little boy. He knew it in his soul, but it wasn't his reality. The exact opposite was actually happening. He knew God loved him in his heart. He knew he had special plans for him. He knew it in his heart, but he had no proof. In fact, his entire life, if you read his story, is filled with stress, anxiety, and tears. And so here he is, he's laying down in the desert, and all of a sudden this angel shows up before him. Now, I'm going to tell you now, if I see an angel, I'm going to pass out. Jacob did something that 
His vertebrae must have been made of steel at this moment because the angel shows up before him. He recognizes him as an angel. And instead of doing what I would do, which is he jumps up and grabs the angel. He puts him in a full Nelson, a headlock, an arm bar. He's got him in a scissor lock all night long. He's fighting this guy. And he's talking to him at the same time. There's nothing. I've been beat up so many times. I can't even count. I got beat up in school so many times. And when you're getting beat up, not only is it humiliating, but when they're talking to it, you want some more of that? No, no. I don't. He's talking to him. And he's telling him, I am supposed to be blessed. I'm supposed to be blessed. I am supposed, my life is not blessed and I'm supposed to be blessed and I'm sick and tired of my life. He is fighting this angel. He is mad. He had a father-in-law named Laban. He was so incredibly unfair to him. He left Laban. And the only thing that he has waiting for him is his brother Elijah that's hunting him down to try to kill him. Esau, thank you. So here we go. His past stinks. His present stinks. His future looks no better. He is upset. He is mad. He doesn't want to talk with anybody about it. Have you ever been there? I don't want to talk about it. Have you ever said that? Hey, tell me how things are going. I don't even want to talk about it right now. <laughs> Have you ever been there? And then somebody keeps saying, no, no, talk to me about it. Come on, talk to me. And all of a sudden you're like, kaboom! <laughs> I told you I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> and that's what, that's what he did. He, he, he's sitting there. He's stressed. He tells his family, just, 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 I just need some time alone. I just, just give me some alone time. As soon as he gets alone, the angel shows up, and he's like, you. (laughs) He was upset. He was upset. So finally, the angel says back to him, okay, 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 okay. The sun is coming up. We got to stop wrestling. We got to stop fighting. And he blesses him. You know what the 14 day day, uh, 14 day prayer intensive is all about? It's for the people in this room, the people that's a part of our church family, the, the, the guests in this room that that have come walking in today, that that resonates with you. That resonates. It's like things should be better. And they're not. And I don't see them getting any better. They haven't been good. It's not good right now. And I don't see it getting any better. Here's the thing. We got options. And as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? (laughs) You got options. You You can keep on doing things the way they've been going. Or you can back up and say, Jacob wrestled with God. I'm about to learn how to do that. I am about to wrestle 
with God. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy wants you to think that that's hard and that's complicated and that's difficult, and it's not. It's not at all. You know, uh, for those of you that like to read, write this down. There's a great book out called The American Cool, American Cool, written by Peter Stearns. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. It was written uh, uh, in, I think it was 1992 is when it was written. And uh, he makes this point that America, our, our, our country, is addicted to cool. It, it, it loves cool. Uh, and, and, but it hasn't always been that way. Uh, see, the, the Victorian age that kind of migrated over, if you will, just the, the whole culture and mindset from Britain, when it came over, that was at the turn of the century. But in 1960, all of a sudden the word cool was introduced. And see, some of you are like, I introduced the word. <laughs> That was me, just so you know, that was me. But cool was introduced in 1960. And I'm telling you, the whole culture just embraced that word. Uh, to, to give you a couple throwbacks, um, that's when cool cigarettes came out. They couldn't spell it, but they, <laughs> they came out with it. Um, that's when the, the, the Peanuts cartoon, Cool Joe, came out. Um, everything was uh, the West Side Story. Keep cool, boy. You remember that phrase? I don't actually read about it. I wasn't alive. <laughs> <laughs> the years will teach what the days never will, right? Um, but so here's the thing. Cool in the 1960s came out. It's still a, a, a dominant word. In fact, my kids look at me all the time and go, Dad, you're not cool. <laughs> I got my son, my, my, my son is seven years old. Dad, it's not cool. In fact, he did this the other day. He went. I'm like, you're seven. You don't get to do that. I do that. You don't, I do, you don't do that. I do that. He goes, Dad, you're not cool. But the word cool came in during the 1960s. And this book is about the emotional progression of America on how we went from this Victorian age of being very expressive to being cool. And so now we elevate athletes that when it's in the fourth quarter of the game and they remain cool, we elevate them and admire them. If you're in corporate America, when the heat is on, the pressure's on, it's, it's a, a difficult, tense board meeting, and you remain cool, you're, you can have a better chance of accelerating in your corporation. If you're on the highway and you got somebody with some road rage, and you're like, and you remain cool, that's admirable. People who can remain cool. What does cool mean? What does keeping your cool mean? That means I'm not going to let you see me get too mad. And I'm not going to let you see me get too happy. I'm going to remain cool. You know, Jacob, done with cool. I'm done with cool. It, he got to the point where he's like, hey, it's not as good as it looks. You, you know what I've learned about the woodlands? A lot can hide behind trees. Are you with me? You can hide a lot behind trees. And so here's the thing. They're just done with it. And so I want to just encourage us. Let's be, some of you are like, that's your favorite part of the whole message. You're like, 
This guy's good. This, this guy's good. I want to unpack the prayer wheel, okay? Let me talk about the prayer wheel a little bit because this is how, this is how we war. Uh, this is how we pray. This is how we get intense about God. The 14-day prayer intensive has two specific set of practices. Number one is the content of the 14 days. The content is the prayer wheel. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed with a prayer wheel before, okay? When I was growing up, like, it was a, a, a tithe and offering envelope and a prayer wheel. Those two, things, those two things went together. You pray and you give. You pray and you give. Now, watch this. The, the, the prayer wheel is, is, uh, is color-coded, okay? And it covers every single topic. So if you only pray for each slice of the prayer wheel for a minute and a half, two minutes, 30 minutes is going to fly by just like that, okay? That's how easy it is. And so now watch this. Nobody has time to pray with the schedule we have today. We have to change our schedule. We have to change it. Uh, I, I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again. Every once in a while, uh, I'll sign up to run a race, like a half marathon or a full marathon. Well, you know what? I don't have the time to train. I have three kids, a wife, a full-time job, and two dogs, no less, okay? I don't have the time to train. So if I want to train for a race, that means I have to start waking up earlier. I got to make time. I got to set my alarm for 4.45, 5 a.m., 5.15, whatever it is. You got to make time for things that you prioritize. I just want to say, we got to make time for this. And I want to say this as well, to sign up online for which days you plan on praying of the 14. So the 14 days starts tomorrow. When does it start? Oh, you sound good. Starts tomorrow. This is what it looks like. You go to our website, woodlandscelebrationchurch.com, and there's that pretty guy, Isaiah. You click on the homepage. It takes you straight there. Now, these are the people that have already signed up. Look at this. These people already signed up. So look at these, uh, just literally hundreds of names, hundreds of names. When you go to this website, when you go to our website, you may say, I'm going to pray all 14 days. So you sign up for all 14 days. Some of you may say, hey, I don't know if I can commit to that. I'm going to try to pray all 14 days, but I'm only going to commit to four, then only sign up for four. Okay, so you look at it and you commit to whatever days you want to sign up for and you sign up for it. Okay, so do that today because it starts tomorrow. starts tomorrow. So we pray the entire wheel. Now watch this. When we pray, this is the, this, the third point underneath the commitment because there's the content and there's the commitment. When we pray, we pray fervently. Why do we pray fervently? Because in James chapter 5 verse 16, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A fervent prayer. So that means there are certain prayers that are not fervent. So when you go to the egg and I, and they bring you a Belgian waffle, you sit there and you go, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. On a level of intensity, that's a want. It's, that, it's better than nothing, but it's a want. When you pray the prayer wheel, you don't pray a one, you pray fervently, okay? You pray fervently. And so you go through each slice 
fervently. Fervently. Now let me say this. Well, I don't have enough words. Look, you only have to be on that topic for a minute and a half. Now, if you catch yourself saying on a, a particular slice for 15 minutes, awesome. That, that may happen and most likely will. But when you're on a slice of the pie, you pray fervently. Why? Because you want it to weigh. You know those old scales? You want it to weigh. Boom. Boom. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's go through this. I already talked about um, the first parts of the wheel. Uh, I'm going to uh, talk about the petitions right now, okay? Uh, petitions are personal requests, okay? Now, when uh, I think I said this earlier. Let me say it again. When it's all color-coded, so when you're praying a gold slice, all the attention is on God. When you're praying one of the orange slices, all of the attention is on you and your life. When you're praying one of the green slices, all of the attention is on Celebration Church of the Woodlands. When you're praying one of the orange slices, it's the will of God for the kingdom and for the nation. I'm sorry, the red slices, for the kingdom of God and for the nation. And then you, you end back up with your focus on God, which is going to be praise. I already talked about praise, repent, personal growth, family and friends last week. So you want to hear that, get online and listen to it. Let me talk about petitions real quickly. Petitions, what that means is personal prayer requests. Uh, I'll give you an example. Allie's dad is fighting stage four cancer, uh, uh, esophageal cancer. She's praying for it. She's been praying for it. Now, on the wheel, it doesn't say Allie's dad. <sighs> All right? But this is the part where she's going to say, I'm going to pray about whatever I want God to intervene in. Which just is a sidebar to show the power of prayer. Allie's been praying to the point of, I don't think she's ever prayed more intensely for her dad or for anything. Her dad's got stage four cancer, and they have been doing radiation on the outside of his body for weeks. Well, he had a, uh, what do you call it? A tumor, a tumor uh, right here in his chest area. So they're going to attack it, not from the outside in. Now they're going to go into his mouth, down through here, and attack it from the inside. Now, you can only do this once because it's so intense, your body can only handle it one time. So they go inside. Allie's praying her eyeballs out. I'm praying. Many of you are praying. They put the scope down there, and they're looking around. He's out. They're looking, looking, still looking, 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 still looking. Still looking. Uh, Susie, yeah. Uh, did you say that there was something in here that we were supposed to deal with? Yeah. Well, where is it? Um, 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 uh, it's, it, it, it was here yesterday. Completely gone. Completely gone. Now, he still has cancer in his lungs, and he's still at his stage four. So we're not, he's not getting worse. It's not getting better. Now, if you're familiar with that cancer, he should be 
not here anymore. It's a very aggressive cancer. This is what prayer can do. Do we get all of our prayers answered? No. Do we get a yes every time? No. But you get a, a yes never if you don't pray. All right? So this is petitions. This is when you pray. This is when you pray for doors of opportunity. This is when you pray, pray, pray. Speaking of doors of opportunity, there's a scripture in the Bible in Malachi chapter 3 that says that he opens up the doors of heaven and pours blessings on you. What does that mean? Does that mean that he takes a whole bunch of gold coins? What does that mean? That he opens up the, wet, the windows of heaven and dumps it out. I, seriously? What does that mean? I've thought about it many times. Do I have candy or, or wrappers behind some of you guys? I just need a whole handful. Maybe like four or five of them. There we go. There we go. That's good. That's good. There we go. Um, what does that mean? Let me tell you what blessings from heaven are. It's not money. You can catch in a bucket. Blessings from heaven are ideas and concepts. That's what blessings from heaven are. So when, when God says, I'm going to pour it out, I'm going to pour these ideas and concepts, these ideas and concepts, I pray over my kids every night. Lord, everybody who sees them, make them like them. God, everybody who sees them, make them like me. I want them to like me. So when... We do that, and blessings from heaven come. He makes people look favorably on you. But it doesn't stop there. He gives you ideas. So sometimes he gives you ideas. Sometimes he gives you opportunity. And sometimes he gives you relationships that you didn't have before. Because a lot of times you have a great idea, but you have no opportunity. And sometimes you have a great opportunity, but you have no ideas. And sometimes you have great ideas, but you need new relationships. Sometimes you're looking at a relationship that you need to have because you have a good idea. And you need the idea to be in that person's head to look at you favorably. Because if they don't like you and you have this big idea, you're going to go to sleep with that idea, and it's going to be the greatest secret in the world. You need an idea, you need an opportunity, and you need relationships. So when God says, I'm going to pour blessings out from heaven, I'm going to pour them out, don't walk around with a bucket, you're only going to catch rain. You want to catch blessings that are getting poured down. What is that? That's ideas coming to your mind. That's ideas coming to other people's mind. The Bible says that he will give you witty invention. Like, I got it. Now, if you got it, but you don't have a relationship to unlock the door of opportunity. Oh, man. Paul said it like this. Because of the great door of opportunity before me, an enemy came against me. See, now that's a different sermon for a different day because once you get the big door of opportunity, here come snakes. When you're in the Garden of Eden and you're talking to Jesus or you're talking to God, that's a great opportunity. Snake coming. 
Okay, that's a different sermon for a different day. I can tell you want to hear it. You got to come back next Sunday. <laughs> the next slice. Now you're beginning to shift from petitions. Now you're going to start praying about Celebration Church. What about Celebration Church? The first thing is the unsaved. Jesus is going to come back in a twinkling of an eye. If you read Matthew chapter 24, he gives you a whole bunch of signs of, hey, when you start seeing these signs, I'm going to come. Now, people will say this often. Those signs have been happening for thousands of years. That's exactly true. But never before have all of them been happening at the same time. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. And we've got to pray more than anything else in the world for the unsaved. If Jesus walked around today, he would not be paying attention to you and I. When he came over 2,000 years ago, he said, I have not come for the righteous, but I've come for the unrighteous. He is concerned about unsaved people. How many of you have more than one kid? Go ahead. Raise your hand if you have one kid. There you go, one kid. I have three kids. It's not that I love kids. I just love my wife. (laughs) Short people showed up. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So there there was a time where we were in the mall and we thought we lost one. Okay. We were going ballistic. We had two. I just couldn't find the other one. And so I'm going crazy. Allie thought I had it. I, I thought, uh, not it, it was he. <laughs> Allie thought I had him. I thought she had him. I got one girl. She's got the other girl. We're looking for Luke. We're panicking. Luke only has half of a brain, okay? He, uh, <laughs> all the time. We have no idea where he's at. He could be in Galveston by now, for all we know. You wave candy in front of him. He's like, <laughs> We have no idea where he is. We don't have a clue where he is. And so we are panicking. Who are we panicking about? Are we panicking about finding our daughter Presley? No, she's found. Are we panicking about finding Kate? No, we got her. She's safe and sound. Who are we concerned about? We're concerned about the lost one. Now, what if Presley was like, Daddy, I really want to hug. I love you. Now's not the time. Come on, Daddy, I want to be close to you. I want to hug. I love you. (laughs) Uh, 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 I need you to help me find your brother. I need you to help me find your brother. And so often we get so consumed. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer. I just want to be closer. I want to be closer. I'm not trying to mock it because I say the same thing. But the reality is, is we get too caught up in looking at other saved people going, we're saved. Oh, we're saved. We're saved. And all of our friends are saved. You know, two years ago, our staff said, hey, let's pick out 10 people in our church and tell them, go find somebody that doesn't have a church home and, and we'll meet you for dinner down here at Mikosina. I can't remember where we were. We're going to buy dinner for your friends and for you. Just give them an opportunity to meet us outside of the church. You know what the biggest problem was? They had no friends that didn't go to church. That's embarrassing. That is so embarrassing. We just go around preaching to each other is what we do. (laughs) 
And, and when, you, when you pray and you start praying for unsaved people, you start saying, dear God, there's people that don't know you. And what will happen is you, I know this sounds crazy, but you will bring somebody to church. <laughs> hello, hello. Believe that. You will meet them. I was at my son's football game yesterday and I'm sitting next to this guy and he was like, man, me and my wife were looking for a church. I was like, hey, my name's Frankie. How are you? <laughs> I'm like, you're ready to go. My son's running up and down the field. I'm like, yeah, 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 let me do it. People will, he will bring people to your path. And if he doesn't bring people to your path, something else very cool will happen. Your prayers will fly in the direction and God will begin to touch their hearts. You know, our military, I love our military. Any veterans here? Love our military. Whoop. Love our military. One of my favorite things to do is to get on YouTube and look at the latest toys that our military has. And, and uh, this isn't a new toy, but uh, it's called heat-seeking missiles. And, and basically what happens is when they launch these heat-seeking missiles, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's like 15 all at once. It's like they shoot out of planes, out of helicopters, out of these gun things. And, and you cannot hide from these things. These things will, it will, if in, in a 12-story building, true, will go through a vent and go all the way down to the fourth floor and blow up a particular room. It's unbelievable. They're heat-seeking missiles. They fly like, they, you can't stop them. I just want you to know that when you pray, and you say, dear God, touch my brother, touch my father. God, there's people that are unsaved. They're heat-seeking missile prayers. They can't run. They cannot run. They can get in there. What are you doing here? I was just driving down the road. I saw your sign, decided to come. That was my heat-seeking missile. That's what happens. we got to pray for the unsaved. Here's the yeah, next thing we need to pray for are the unchurched. Now, that's different from unsaved people. Unchurched people are people that if Jesus comes today, they go to heaven, but they don't go to church. There's three reasons, most popular reasons, on why people don't go to church when they're saved. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one is their pride. They feel like they can have better church by themselves. It's pride. It's pride. And it's not even biblical. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Okay? Uh, it's pride. Now, here's the next thing, is, is hurt. They've been hurt at a church. A, a pastor said something. A greeter said something. Some, they've been hurt. They've been hurt. And the enemy is clapping. Because the, 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 the most favorite thing for the enemy is not just to hurt you, but to allow that sting to last for the rest of your life. Um, and here's the last one, is disdain, where people say, oh, I don't like going to church because they're all two-faced. <laughs> Anyone ever hear that before? They're a bunch of fakes. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. They're, they're talking about me because I'm doing the best I can. I just mess up a lot. And so my answer to the people that have disdain is like, look, man, we're trying our best. Come try your best with us. Amen. You'll probably help me. Let's live life together. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. amen. You know, what's interesting is I read this story about these grandkids that snuck into their grandpa's room. <laughs> you know something bad's going to happen. 
Well, the grandpa had this big bushy mustache. And so they snuck into the, the grandpa's room while he was taking a nap. And they took like blue cheese and they like smeared it into his mustache. All right. They just kind of put it in there. And these, these little kids, little rascals, they, they, they went outside the room and they were just like, sure enough, here comes the grandpa. Man, it stinks in this room. Kids start laughing. There, it stinks in this room. All right, it stinks in this. So he walks out of that room and he goes and lays in another room. He's like, it stinks in here too. The kids are they've lost it. Right, they're laughing their heads off. They're like, they walk. He walks into the kitchen. He can't sleep and he doesn't even feel like sleeping. He walks in the kitchen. It stinks in here. He goes, I'm just gonna go outside and get some fresh air. And so he walks outside. He's like, this whole world stinks. Kids are laughing their heads off. The reality is the whole world doesn't stink. The last bedroom didn't stink. The fact of the matter is you stink, and everywhere you go, <laughs> right? So here's the reality. Most unchurched people, they got too much blue cheese under their nose, <laughs> right? A little too much blue cheese. Here's the next thing is strengthen. Now, when you pray for strength, you're, it's a green slice. So you're praying for people in Celebration Church that you don't know that they can be strong. Now, don't pray for yourself at this point because you pray for yourself during the orange slices. This is when you're praying for everybody. You don't even know the people that you're sitting around, but you're praying for them anyway. The coolest part is they're praying for you. That's really cool. Now, here's the thing. You pray for them with the same level of intensity that you want them to pray for you with. Fervently, with strength, and just pray for them. Say, God, their families, help their families. God, help their children. God, help their marriage. God, increase their finances. God, when they're praying for you, this is so important, when they're praying for you, help them pray. Don't let them get ADD and start thinking about a million different things. Help them pray. People are going to pray for you that way. So you pray for the strength within the church. And then the next slice is that you back up and you start praying for the will of God. It's so interesting because when the disciples were following Jesus around, they didn't ask Jesus to teach them certain things. Like, they didn't say, hey, Jesus, you walked on water, man. Can you show me how to do that? (laughs) I would have. I would have. They didn't look at him and go, okay. I handed you two pieces of fish. I handed you five loaves of bread. You fed 5,000 people. I want to know how you did that. That's like magic stuff. Look, I know how you do this. I want to know how you feed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. They didn't ask that either. You know what they did ask? They said, look, we see you praying a lot. And we see what happens when you're done praying. How do you pray? Jesus said this. He goes, all right, okay, listen to me. Especially you, Peter. (laughs) 
Listen to me. Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here, here it comes. You ready? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done here on earth just like it is where you're at in heaven. There's a certain culture and there's a certain way heaven operates. Let that happen here. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's plans are better than your plans. God's plans for you are better than your plans for you. Have you ever prayed in high school, middle school, elementary school, God, let me marry this guy, let me marry this guy, let me marry this guy? Aren't you so glad God's... There's a country song that got written. What's it called? God bless the prayers that didn't get answered. Yeah, they got that out of Psalms, actually. No, (laughs) just kidding. That's the truth. And so we want God's will. And then lastly is we got to pray for our nation. we got to pray for our our leaders. Look, you know what? Uh, Every single president that I've been alive for and understood. Every single one of them made decisions that I was like, yes. And then they made decisions I was like, are you serious? Get a brain. Um, Some of them I agree with. Some of them I don't agree with. But I only get a vote one time. I get a vote one time. Every four years I get a vote. And after that, the Bible says that I'm supposed to pray for my leaders. To pray for them. To pray for them. To pray for them. To pray for them to pray for them, to pray for them, to pray for them. And you and I can sit at the donut shop and talk bad about our government all we want to, and it's not going to make a hill of beans. It's not going to move the needle iota. But I'm going to tell you something. You can talk bad about Congress. You can talk bad about the Senate. You can talk bad about the president. Let me tell you, the the next president, I hate to say this to you, you're going to have complaints about him as well, okay? Or her or whoever. You're going to have complaints about them as well. So we might as well just settle in on what's going to be our MO. We're going to vote. And if you don't vote, shame on you. But you vote and you pray. You vote and you pray. You vote and you pray. This is how I want to close. I'm going to be very sensitive right now when I mention this. And um, and, and I love it when you guys talk back to me. You say amen and that's good and stuff. But be sensitive for this portion of the, of the sermon. Uh, there's a Ashley Madison website that's out there. It's been in the news. Uh, the theme of the website is Life is Short, Have an Affair. And so since 2001, over 34 million people have gotten on this website and have had affairs. Well, a few hackers have hacked the website. Many of you have heard about this and have released all the names. People are committing suicide because their secrets have come out in public. I want to take a sidebar real quick and, and just talk to anybody in this room whose name is on that list. You might be here today because you're trying to piece your life back together again. I want to give you two pieces of advice. Number one is to seek forgiveness and number two is to accept forgiveness. You, you seek forgiveness, first of all, to God. You seek forgiveness from your wife and your family. You also seek forgiveness from yourself. 
And then when it comes time to accepting forgiveness is you have to accept the forgiveness that God gives you. If you're blessed and if you're lucky, more blessed than lucky, but you hear my heart, where your spouse and your children forgive you, you're going to have to learn to accept that. And then you're going to have to learn to forgive yourself and to accept that forgiveness as well. The part about this website and the part about this being in the news that has my attention is the theme, the slogan is life is short, have an affair, and confidentiality is the theme of the site that nobody is ever going to find out. You know what I thought about when I saw this? I thought, wow, this is a preview of what Judgment Day is going to look like. Because everything we do, the Bible says, lays open before God. Everything we do. And I just want you to know, I'm first in line when I say this. I need God's forgiveness. I need His grace and I need His mercy. Grace and mercy are not the same thing. Mercy forgives you. Grace gives you the ability to stop. So many people say, I don't want to ask for forgiveness because I know me, I'm going to keep on going. Yeah, you do know you, but let me introduce you to God. Because He has grace available that helps you stop. And so we got to learn to bend our knees now and to humble ourselves before God. I had my brother shared a quote with me recently. He says that God's plan A is to humble you. His plan B is to humiliate you. Let's just humble ourselves before the presence of God. Let's just humble ourselves and let's bend our own knee. Let's get before God and say, listen to this, this is so important. As Americans, we are used to having a vote and opinions. We get to vote for Congress. We get to vote for laws. We are used to voting. If you go to England, you'll notice you don't get to vote for the next king. You can vote in and out. You can vote for presidents. You don't get to vote for kings. Kings get to decide their own culture. And if you and I go to Buckingham Palace and we go meet Prince William, we go meet the king, we go meet the queen, we, when we go there, guess what? We don't tell them how we want to operate when we walk into their palace. We don't get to walk in and say, no, 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 no. You say, well, this is how I dress. Nobody's going to tell me how to, no one's going to, no, 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 we are going to tell you or, or you can leave. Because a kingdom is not like a democracy. It's not like America. We get a vote in America, and we're used to having a vote. But in kingdom, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, so if you were here, you're hearing it a second time. With God, He's God. And He's the King. 
and he reigns and he rules and it's his laws and it's his way and he loves you and he wants to be close to you and he died for you and you have an opportunity to say, I want to be in relationship with you. Or you can back up and go, I don't like your culture and I don't like your ways and I don't like your laws. I'll live without it. But what you don't get to do is to show up and say, I want you to change your laws. I want you to change what you like and I want you to change what you don't like and then I'll consider following you. No, no, no. It's a kingdom. He's a king. He's not a president. He's not a CEO. You can't vote him out. You get to choose. You get to choose. And I just want you to know that this king that reigns and rules and has created everything loves you more than you'll ever, ever, ever know. And he wants a very personal relationship with you. And if this is the last sermon I am ever going to preach in my life, let me say this. You'll never know how much he loves you because it's too great. And I am begging you and pleading with you to talk to him and get to know him because it changes everything. It changes everything. Will everybody please stand to your feet for me, please?